0: How will the African Union manage the continent? The bloc's leaders gather yet again as Africa is grappling with many challenges. But are African leaders up to the task? I'm Mohamed Jamjoum, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. All right, for more on all this, I'm joined by our guests. In Kampala is Victor Ochen, director for African Youth Initiative Network. In Rabat is Mohamed Loulishki, senior fellow at the Policy Center for the New South, a Moroccan think tank that focuses on economic and social public policies. And in London is Jonathan Ofe Ansa, founder and publisher at Africa Briefing Magazine. A warm welcome to you all and thanks for being with us on Inside Story today. Victor, let me start with you today. The 2023 African Union Summit is going to be taking place at a very fraught time for the continent. How important is it that this be a productive summit?
1: Uh, thank you. Uh, I think the 2023 uh, AU summit is definitely coming at a point when there's so much uh, uh, global interest, the strategic significance of Africa, given the current uh, global situation about the increasing tension between the you know superpowers and all that. Uh, but the question comes, what role, what will Africa play in in terms of this global security piece and all this? What would be the most cohesive voice that African Union or African bloc can come forward and present? Of course, at the end of the day, you look at, there's been reason for need to consolidate the African position. They have always got these ambiguous policies around issues uh, driven by state political fragility and identity-based politics that has been problematic. So I hope the African Union summit this time will bring uh, you know, highlights on situation around the continent right now, which have significance, most importantly, uh, addressing v- the need to address the regional
0: conflict. Yes. Right. Uh, Victor, let me follow up with you on a point that you were making there uh, with, when it comes to the competition between the global superpowers right now and and the role Africa is playing. Because uh, you've had uh, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, you've had the new Chinese Foreign Minister, you've had the U.S. Treasury Secretary, all have embarked on African tours within the past month. Uh, Russia, China, the U.S., uh, they are all trying to expand their footprints in Africa right now. So how much geopolitical bargaining power does that give Africa at this moment?
1: Yes, you, you did mention so well, you did, did mention those superpowers. You look at how United States has gone on to establish very strong uh, strategic infrastructure for engagement in Africa uh, through broad-reaching you know, uh, diplomacy, development, and security issues. And also look at how European Union has made it a point that they want to consolidate uh, its renewed commitment in the continent. China and superpower, but also looking at the UK, the Russia, the India, all these are all delivering significant, uh, you know, uh, development in, in very, which are very important uh, economic and security point of view. But now you look at how will Africa position itself? Will it reach a point where Africa will be forced to join uh, different uh, uh, orders or so the situation is quite opaque because we need to know, everybody's saying, let's now look at how do we get our position and our, our standing quite clear in Africa. But then the force will come, what will Africa do? Are they going to be forced to pick sides on which one to go with? Or they are going to say, mm. as, a, as a continent, we have got our own history, we need our own agenda, we have our own ambition is to focus and build our, you know, mainstream political, economic and insecurity point of this nature. I think Africa should not be a battleground, but we should look into how we seek and to secure a partnership that will help us strengthen peace mm. and stability in the continent.
0: Jonathan, I saw you nodding along to some of what Victor was saying there, so I'm going to give you a chance uh, uh, to jump in. But I also want to ask you, um, what are the priorities of this summit? And, and from your vantage point, what's expected to come out of it? Well, I'm, I always say that uh, in the past, AU uh, summits have come
2: to be regarded as a mere you know, talk shortfall. You know, um, Africa's leaders, but um, the time has come in view of the where well, the geopolitical um, situation you know we find ourselves in today, currently. Um, uh, Victor mentioned you know the visits by you know the new Chinese foreign minister recently by um, Sergei Lavrov from Russia, Jedet Yellen, uh, the US Treasury Secretary, as well as the US Ambassador to uh, to the UN. Um, They've all made visits to Ghana. And the question African leaders need to ask is, why, you know, this interest in Africa, okay? From where I'm sitting, I see that uh, all these major powers are caught in Africa because Africa has something to offer. Africa has something that they need, right? So this is the time. Look, we have the European Union, we have the Asian countries, you know, they all economic, strong economic blocks. We have the, we set up the Africa Continental Free Trade Area, mm. okay, to facilitate, you know, increase intra African trade and all that. Mm. Yeah. But we need to look outside. Why these uh, big, big powers are continents, we must know uh, what we have, what we possess that they need, mm. and know how to leverage it to the continent's advantage. So to me, this uh, uh, summit, you know, should be all-encompassing. Talk about the security situation on the continent. Talk about climate change and talk, talk about economy. How we can leverage our resources to the
0: utmost to our utmost advantage. Mm. Um, Mohamed, uh, African leaders are going to advocate for uh, permanent seats for the continent on the UN Security Council. Uh, they also want to join the G20. Um, what are the chances that, that that these goals are achievable?
3: Well, let me let me g- begin by saying that uh, Africa does not accept anymore to be uh, uh, on the on the menu, but want well, to be in the, uh, around the table with the other powers. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, having uh, a legitimate seat in the Security Council of the United Nations, but also having its say uh, whenever the challenges, the global challenges, are addressed, to have its say in and to have its uh, its contribution. Uh, Africa is courted, as my friend said uh, before me, uh, by all the superpowers. Not, not only because of its natural resources, but because also of the potential, the economic potential that Africa is, it, it, it is going to have in 2030 and 2050. 2030, Africa will be 1.2 billion uh, consumer uh, 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 population will be 1.2. And in 2015, it will be uh, to, to mid, 2 billion 25. We will be the third region in the com- demographically the most important, and with this uh, increase in demography comes consum- uh, consumers. Uh, Africa will have between 700 and 800 consumers from uh, uh, middle class. It's a huge market, and it's uh, uh, it will benefit from the 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 free trade. Uh, uh, agreement the continental free trade agreement but it is also an open market for all the other uh, 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 powers because Africa now is open to real partnership it's not anymore a monopoly of one Mm -hmm. or the other uh, but it is open to real partnership in which uh, uh, African will will will, uh, will set the agenda, will mm. set the uh, the, uh, the the priorities, and will set the objectives of such partnership.
0: Uh, Jonathan, one of the issues that's expected to dominate uh, during this summit is the push by uh, West African states of uh, Burkina Faso, Guinea, and Mali to be reinstated to the AU after being stripped of their membership following military coups. Um, how large a role do you think this is going to play uh, during the summit? And and is that something that could happen? Could we see them be reinstated?
2: I don't see that happen, you know, at this year's summit, because, um, look, AU, um, ECOWAS, and other regional bodies, you know, you know, have come strongly against, you know, any um, military um, or any, any coup d'etat, I mean, D- they lead to? They think like that they lead to destabilization, you know, of of various countries and therefore their respective regions. So now, but now that um, they've set the, the roadmap, we kind of uh, Mali Guinea, all, uh, they, The Ecowas has already set a, a roadmap for them to return to to, to civilian rule. Until that um, road, roadmap is achieved, I doubt if the um,
0: the the AU will reinstate really them. You know into the body uh victor um how much are african countries riven by identity politics Uh, i'm talking about tribalism i'm talking about sectarianism and and how much does all that hamper what the au is able to accomplish in its work
1: again and again it has also resulted into massive organized criminal activities across and you have seen very serious political mistrust that has continued to, to define the continent. Home and abroad, you find uh you know, the next countries being used as the house for the next conflict in the neighboring countries. And all this protracted experience of both domestic and external political instability has been a good reason for mass atrocities in the region. And we have seen that. Continued propaganda along tribes, along ethnicity, along religious affiliations has created always a, a very big, deplorable reaction from different countries, and it's been really uh, difficult. And it has attracted massive migration. We have seen that by by study found that you know after every ten to fifteen years, the mass atrocities happen, especially in the Great Lakes region, and the region it, the region has seen and the reason is simply because young people are born into conflict. They are told who their enemies are. They are told why they are suffering. They are told why they are in the refugee camp. They are told why they are out of the country. By the time they reach 10 to 15 years old, they are strong enough and they want to strike back. And these are the kind of, thing. we have got that generational transfer of trauma, of pain, of challenges. So it has been difficult for us to be able to help the young people young generation transform their trauma, their pain, their history, into an opportunity for leadership. And that's why we have seen, there's been that uh, ethnicized politics, ethnic development, ethnic government, ethnic progress. This is where the problem comes. Mm. As long as we're unable to dissect the ethnicity, the ethnic ingredients in the African democracy, it's always going to be a problem for the continent. That's an area that we need to look at. What is that is needed for AU to talk openly, to talk transparently about this issue among themselves. We are seeing cross border tension, inter country tension. Governments are defined by tribalisms, mm. and all this kind of thing becomes the ingredient for more conflict. Mm. How do we get to It is one thing that AU should focus on. Uh,
0: Mohammed. from your vantage point, um, how is the African Union doing when it comes to? coordinating with regional blocs, whether that pertains to security issues or economic issues. How, how is the AU doing when it comes to that?
3: I think we have to understand the fact that African Union is an intergovernmental organization. So it is about trying to coordinate policies of sovereign states. It has nothing to do, for example, with the European Union for which the member state decided to uh, to delegate some of their competencies uh, african union is an intergovernmental organization so it can only be efficient if the member states have the political will to allow the african union to uh, really coordinate between uh, between themselves uh, i think that compared to the oau the African Union managed to structure itself in an architecture dealing with peace and security that is beginning to yield some fruits and some results. Of course, in any structure, you have always the necessity to coordinate. There are maybe sometimes duplication between the regional economic commissions, at the African Union, and there is a need to harmonize, the need to uh, really deal with the subsidiarity rule between the uh, African Union as such and its economic uh, regional commission. Now, in in dealing with peace and security, peace and security is a global issue. African Union and African uh, member states cannot deal with issues like terrorism, like conflicts, Uh, uh, With uh, like development without the contribution of the international community, Uh, one has to acknowledge also that compared to the other regional uh, organization, African Union has a very comprehensive Mm. uh, uh, mandate dealing with peace, security, development, integration, health, etc., etc. So it cannot be compared in terms of efficiency and mandate with other regions. We have to give the benefit of doubt to the african union we have to uh african union it is on the right path but we have i think to be extremely patient and mm-hmm. understanding and enabling the african union to discharge its huge uh, 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 m- mandates in peace and security but also in development economic and social development
0: jonathan from your vantage point just how effective is the AU? There are a lot of critics that say that its standards have been eroded when it comes to member states. Um, do you think that's the case? And, and there's so many challenges impacting the continent right now. Are, are African leaders up to the task? I believe, um, like uh, Mohamed said, uh, um, compared to the OAU,
2: which was you know was referred to. As the old men's club, you know, and then looking at the AU today, you know, and I said earlier that uh, some of us used to see it as a top show. Um, I believe I see some gradual progress, some gradual result, you know. I see some increasing political world, right? This is highlighted by the establishment of the uh, of the Africa Free Trade Area, okay. And we have the AU Peace and Security Council. Look, you talk about the Ethiopian-Tigray war that ended um, late last year. I mean, um, the, the mediation was mainly facilitated by uh, fellow candidates by the by the AU. Okay, without any Western nations playing a major role, though they play, they had a hand, but it was mainly facilitated by 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 AU members. So I see, you know, a gradual, you know, um, uh, uh, resolve, you know, coming up. I see the postcard will increasing, but at the end of the day, look, we are the mercy of external forces. Okay, AU is, um, look, the AU headquarters itself was donated by China, built and donated by China. Okay, um, some members cannot even, you know, pay members cannot even pay their dues on time. Okay. And even now the AU is relying on again external funding you know, for its operations. Okay. So and and and, and the, the common proverb is who he who pays the piper, you know, um uh, the tune. So until African leaders are able to get their act together, you know, increase their result, you know, um there'll be more talk than action. But so far, so far, I believe that uh, that the world is there. And if things are put right, uh, we can go, you know, further than we are now.
0: Uh, Victor, of course, one of the biggest concerns when it comes to Africa right now is is hunger. And so uh, it's expected that, uh, you know, one of the biggest subjects of discussion uh, during this summit is going to be the worsening hunger in several regions. Somalia is on the verge of famine. Mm. That's just one example. What are some of the concrete steps that can be taken to help this situation, to to, to help improve this situation, to combat this?
1: Yeah, uh, about the anger, let's actually pick from the horn of Africa. I think two major issues to, to address would be one to uh, uh, address the question of migration, the question of movement. People are moving from one part to another and they're unable to produce at all. And if AU really wishes to, address the causes of all these uh, uh, multiple crises, I think it's important that we need to address the question of what makes people to move? What are the reasons why people are moving from one place to another and able to produce stuff? Of course, there are natural disasters, there are element of natural disasters, the drought. We have diseases, we have uh, you know floods, we have inec- also, most importantly, inequality in the governance system. That makes it very difficult for people to progress. But of course, the most important thing is also the climate change issues. The region is experiencing a very difficult time. You mentioned Somalia, you mentioned Ethiopia. Look at Kenya. We're seeing, uh, uh, you know, the animals are drying to death. And I think also, I think it's very important to know that uh, with the weather pattern and already, which is causing a, a massive food shortages in the region and severe impact on social infrastructure, we need to be able to how do we uh, navigate the question of climate crisis uh, with the intent, address climate crisis with focus on food security, with focus on domestic livelihood. It comes down to policies. There's so much we need to invest. There's so much that we can do and we must do as a continent in order to be able to avert the looming hunger crisis. Otherwise, we are going to be all going in this kind of... We have massive opportunity, the demographic power The young people, we have so much energy of young people. Mm. And to me, the energy is the right energy for progress. But how are we using it? How are we using the energy of those young people? We are forcing them to move away. We are forcing them to leave their communities they are supposed to stay. We're seeing massive rural urban migration. People are moving away from where they can produce to where they can come and stay in the slums, in the suburbs of the cities and urban settings. So if we can, it would be a challenge to our government to look at, to address the question of how can you attract people to the productive sectors of our society, in this case, is agriculture. But also, how can you create an environment for young people to thrive, make agriculture rewarding, make living in the rural communities where productivity takes place rewarding. But if development infrastructure stops at the nation's capital, we are not able to con- counter the prospect for massive looming anger. Mm. So the opportunity lies within our countries, but it comes down to policies. I think also, let's be honest, our African government should commit to going Mm. away from politics of poverty, where you keep people poor for easy manipulation and easy control. Let's see how can we help our young people progress and want to stay home and want to contribute to to the national development.
0: Right. Uh, Mohammed, um, I want to ask you about peacekeeping missions. When it comes to peacekeeping missions, how difficult have they been for the AU to finance? Um, and, and is there progress being made when it comes to contributing to funding of peacemaking and peace support operations on the continent?
3: well if you if you allow me uh, because you you said what what african countries can do concretely in terms of uh, dealing with food insecurity let me just take one minute and then i will address yeah, go ahead. the issue of the peace uh, I, I just would like to say that the 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 uh, uh, hunger or food insecurity are the crossroads of climate change productivity of agriculture and conflict resolutions uh, there are some concrete uh, 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 initiatives that have been taken, for example, by Morocco with 14 or 15 other African countries in terms of uh, uh, promoting the, the uh, productivity of the agriculture in these countries by using fertilizer, by um, uh, analyzing the, the nature of soil and I think we we have managed to be successful with some countries, for example, like uh, like uh, like Kenya, like uh, Ethiopia, like Nigeria, like Cote d'Ivoire, and others, in which this combination between the two, in 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 the framework of South South corporations is yielding some very promising results. Now let me move to the peacekeeping. I said earlier that. Uh, uh uh peace and security is uh, is a global issue it concerns all the international community not only the Africans. the fact that most of the uh, peacekeeping operations are in africa doesn't mean that africa has by itself to deal with with the with, with the issue uh it is uh, s- something that uh, africa is trying to do with the means that are available but uh, uh, for for the present and let's say for the near future i think that the african union and the its economic regional uh, commission uh, still need support in logistics in training and in financing for the time being about 75 percent of the budget is coming from the outside of the african countries and the implementation of 2% that was uh, adopted uh, uh, after the report of President Kagame on the reform of uh, uh, the financing of the peacekeeping operations by the African Union is something that can enable the Africa to be more involved financially in dealing with its conflict. Yet, it is a responsibility of the international community. And it is a, a, a responsibility of the international community, especially now that conflicts are mixed with the, the challenge of terrorism mm. and violent terrorism.
0: All right, but well, we have run out of time, so we're going to have to leave our discussion there. Thanks so much to all of our guests Victor Ochen, Mohamed Lulishki, and Jonathan Ofe Ansah. This episode was produced by Mohamed Al Aishi, Osama Allouni, Abla Kla, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Aston Goodison. The program was edited by Leroy Messina, Linda Wynn, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Monday for our next episode.